Shall we start then? Yeah, might as well. What episode is this actually? For <laughs> uh, Shall we start? Well, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> what, as in number? Yeah. I have no idea. Let's see. Because I realised I always say the episode number at the start. Twelve-teen. Twelve-teen. <laughs> episode umpteen. We didn't burn him! It sounds like a lot, but it's in the teens. <laughs> no, no. Let's leave the let's leave the uh, Peter Phil jokes. Yeah, we're not back in the teens again. Yeah, we're, we're not officially recording yet, so we'll have to save them. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Really? No, 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 nineteen. No, 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 nineteen. Didn't think it was that high. Yeah, no. Nineteen twenty is But it's gone oh so incredibly low. <laughs> <laughs> in so so many ways. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome to episode 19 of the Polis Box. We're back! Yay! After how many all months? Of all, all, all the months. All the months. About 11. All the months. Could about it be 11 months, June yeah. last year, the last time I was up here. Yeah, roughly about this time last year, we had the last yeah. episode. Yeah. Take that radio fee, Scarrow. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, uh, in case you haven't listened to us before, uh, I'm Lee. I'm Dave. I'm Cameron. And uh, what we do is we get to take an episode of Doctor Who, put it on trial, one of his defends, one of his prosecutes, they all adjudicates, and we decide whether it's worthy of going to the canon of Doctor Who. Uh, should we catch up with what we've been doing since we've uh, last. What, what, what's happened since we've last recorded? Tectonic plates have moved. Yep. Yeah. Governments have changed. Uh, yep. People have died, people have been born. Yeah. You know, same as you. has revolved on its axis <laughs> several times. Almost an entire calendar year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we went to Warp, didn't we? Yes, um, we did. We were in Manchester. Distant past of September. September last year, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dear listener, the things we'd seen. Yep. And that was just on the train through Carlisle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, couldn't, I, 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 I couldn't promise you anything, but yeah, the entire Watchgate came out in force that, that yeah. day. That was, um, yeah, welcome to Carlisle. Yeah. One day you'll have to stop off in Carla. Yeah. Is there any reason to stop off in Carla? Not unless you really have to. Right. Yeah, to change <laughs> trains. It's an emergency, emergency situation. I mean, you know, occasionally the trains don't go any further north as like engineering works and you get people who stumble up the Citadel station blinking at the sunlight, realising what they've stepped into <laughs> is Carlisle. Yeah. yeah. This is the edge of Cumbria. Mm-hmm. You've seen the lakes, yeah, the beautiful part. Yeah, the top part. There's a factory and stuff. There's, yeah, there's, there's a factory. Yeah. Biscuits. Just in case I wasn't glamorous enough, but we, uh, we got to... Uh, uh, I was going to say, we're sponsored today by the Cumbrian Tourist Board. Come to Carlisle. Don't bother. It's shit. <laughs> uh, we got to Preston, didn't we? And then discovered that a train had been cancelled to Manchester. Yes, yeah. we had to change to our bus. Yeah, which uh, was at the inch as glamorous as it sounds, dear listener. Yep. We went through many industrial estates. Rainy, estates. rainy Preston. Rainy, rainy Preston. Rainy Preston and other sort of outer of Manchester areas until we got to the city centre of Manchester. Yeah. yeah, although I think Greater Manchester is most of the north of England these days. It feels like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was good fun. Yeah, who did they see actually? Because I just don't remember. Most of the doctors, well, I'm saying most of the doctors were there. <laughs> two. <laughs> two. 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 Two is not most of 13 <laughs> if, you, if you take the years 1980 to 1986, and all the doctors were there. Yes. So yeah, we didn't see Paul McGann though. No, Paul McGann was. He was there, but we never watched We did yeah. see him walking past at one point. Did I we? think on the way into something. Did we? I don't know. I don't know. That was maybe when you were. Yeah, maybe you when you went out on your own. I definitely saw him. Because we were trying to get rid of you, but you keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did see double Tegan at one point, then we, uh... Was it not like that? There was a guy dressed as Tegan as well. I don't think it was a hat-trick of... Gobi Italian. Gobi Italian history this? She's not Italian, is she? No. No, she's Australian. No, that's a different show. No. Yeah. It's not Hello Hello. Yes. Well, always be Italian in my mind. Welcome to the podcast about Inspector Montemarno. I don't want to touch my tardies. <laughs> yeah, she's not Jamaican either. <laughs> wow. I don't want to touch my tardies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're going straight into the casual races yeah, of the <laughs> first episode. Back. Five minutes in. Five minutes. Eleven yeah. months away. What's it? We, it's a tea. A tea. <laughs> none do, of us can take the moral high ground here because we've just spent the last 45 minutes watching Peter Files in the telly. So, well, let's not pretend we're above yeah. this sort of thing. BBC daytime television really has changed. <laughs> it's changed a lot, yeah, it's changed. Yes. So we saw three Italian Tegans, yeah. one Paul McGann, yes. and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, Peter Davidson was there. Peter Davidson was yes. there. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, Nicola Bryant was there. Nicola Bryant, yeah. Although she wasn't there initially when she was supposed to be there because they had the panel for the... the Caves of Adrizani, yes. and um, she wasn't there, and they said, oh, she's probably stuck in Manchester traffic, and then she didn't appear for that the whole thing, and Peter Davidson had to do pretty much the whole thing on his own, and then on Twitter afterwards, uh, Nicola Bryant was like, apologies for anyone who's at the Caves of Adrizani uh, panel at uh, Warp, because I would have loved to have been there, had someone told me it had started. <laughs> yeah, she was just sitting in the green room, wasn't she? She apparently someone just got her a bite of lunch, because they said, oh, no, you've got plenty of time, you've got plenty of time, and then she just sat eating lunch, and she was apparently saying, are you sure this doesn't go, no, fine, no, fine, just carry on eating, it's fine, we'll let you know, and no one let her know. Yeah. So she missed her panel, God love her. But, um, yeah. Right, she was back to the women of who panel later on. Aye, that's right. With the force of nature. It is Miss Katie Manning. Yes. yes. Christ alive. She was awesome. <laughs> she certainly is alive. Well, yeah, I, well, bloody hell. Can you think, being the, you know, the, the uh, mature age she is, that she would be having trouble like loping off stage? Because they only had one microphone at one stage, didn't they? So yeah. you're getting like people in the audience, shout to shout over the answer questions. But she would like bomb across with the microphone and just like nearly accost whoever it was going. <laughs> yeah, uh, just, well, like, as we know, she is very limber. Yes. She is, yeah. yeah. How the hell she got out of them binds? I have no idea. It's the time I started off and telling you. I think when she jumped out the van on the road, it would have killed her. Yeah. But Landed on her feet. On her feet. And carried on popping away. And yeah. then, oh. It's a nightmare chasing her back down. It was. It was. It's hard to run with an erection. <laughs> <laughs> We're back! <laughs> uh, yeah, can we go anywhere from that now? Uh, Ace was also there. Ace was there, Sophie Aldridge was there. You that want... reminded me, Ace was there. <laughs> yeah, Sophie Aldridge was there, she was cool. Um, let's see, the Women of Who panel was a lot about trying to push that book that John Massey had Ah, the Crystal Bee. That's yeah. the one. That's her. Sure, she's lovely, but it just seemed to be, here's my book, which yeah. is fair enough. Fine, if I'd done that as well, I'd be like, yeah, here's my book. But it seems a lot of that was, here's my book. 
Buy it. Buy yeah, it. Buy it. It's the book. It's Local out. In, it's out next month. Kind of thing. Which what, it, what kind of bad planet? If she'd had it there, she could add like fifty copies. There. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You just sold it. You know. Yeah. I mean? But, but yeah. get them signed. Yeah. Get them signed. Yeah. Sell them for hundreds. Yeah. Would be. Yeah. She'd have been right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. I yeah, it was. Well, is there another one this year? There is one this year, yeah. One in Manchester. Yeah, it's still in the same place in the print box in, in the Manchester. Okay. I don't think there's any guests announced for it, so you know. I'll... They probably have most of them that they could you... get last year. <laughs> I think I follow them on Twitter, but I don't think I've seen anything. Well, I'm trying to keep teasing. Have a wee look and see. You two furiously pad for our uh, Google. Well, alright then. That's off to good Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> weekend in Manchester was good fun. It was really good fun, yeah. We had the uh, trial, ended up at a Jamaican restaurant, which my sister still takes the make up me for this day because of all the restaurants you could list, uh, a Jamaican one's probably the last one yeah. I'd be seen in. Because um, I was texting my sister under the table and she was like, You in a Jamaican restaurant, you Mr. No Spices. I was like, Aye. <laughs> You, you I don't be, know how well it's going to turn out. You can't be really spicy food with your blasting reggae on. Yeah, it was. It was like <laughs> you're bleedingly loud reggae. Yeah, which was. You know, at this point, you two sound like sixty-four-year-olds. You can't have a conversation, Lee. You can't have a conversation. You're Miss Burnham, and you can't. I was leaning over and kind of going, "Hello," I see. I was like, "It's boom de boom de boom boom boom." Oh, that racist. <laughs> Yeah. That's the finest Italian music you're talking about. Uh, well, it was, oh, uh, yeah, finest Straight Italian wines and music. Straight from uh, Rome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here we go. Uh, got some, some names have been announced for the next walk. Uh, yeah. We've got Christopher Eccleston. Oh, uh, Jesus. John Levine. Okay. Ian Levine. Right. Uh, Lord Lucan. <laughs> Shergar. Uh, and the ghost of Jimmy Savile. Nice. Wow. I think they're going to recreate a fix of Son Tarns. Uh, oh, you just had to shoehorn yeah. it in, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> so, you made us watch your favourite YouTube clip, and now you're talking about <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> so buy tickets now, mate. Yeah, mate, all grand. Go fast. Uh, anything else from Warp? Let me on there. No, that was it. No. I mean, it was pretty much like watching a bunch of special features and DVDs. Because you might have been yeah, the same actually, yeah, 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 you were kind of like... Yeah, it was it was still a good laugh. The animation one was quite good. Yeah, yeah. Last one was Sunday. You yeah. and me went to one. Uh, that was quite cool. As they tactfully, as best as they could, to try to skit around the issue that we're definitely not releasing the market terror anytime soon. Honestly, link to camera. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good weekend, all wasn't that's it? Great. Got close enough to Peter Davidson to almost stroke his face. Yeah. Yep. Again. Security, just go ahead at the last second. Uh, last second. You kind of get. Whatever you Yeah, Peter, I want to touch your leak. <laughs> For some reason, I can't say that to him. <laughs> and that gets me kicked out of the venue. Nicola Bryan told us it was a parsnip. <laughs> Can you confirm or deny? Doctors and their root vegetables. <sighs> yep. Colin Baker's definitely a button mushroom. I've missed this. Actually, this is how we can pad it in the next 15 minutes to start, right? Doctors, root vegetables, but in sort of... But, so, but a mushroom is a root vegetable. Yeah, but yeah, You've but, already broken your own rules. <laughs> okay, doctors and foodstuffs. Yeah, and it's a metaphor for the size of the penis. What, 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 how, why, 
To what end, Lee? To what end? Don't look at me like that. You've done six of these now. Well, <laughs> you know the drill. <laughs> William Harnell. That'll be something kind of like, you know, 1950s Brexit sort of visible. Spam. Spam. <laughs> Spam or just a ration book. <laughs> or a blue passport. Uh, Patrick Trout. Got to be a trout. That's <laughs> obvious. Or like one of them like carrots that you've hollowed out to be a musical instrument. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying one of them carrots, like they grow that way. <laughs> a carrot that you've hollowed out to be a musical instrument. Genetically engineered musical carrot. Yeah, musical <laughs> musical carrots. You just go along the like you go along the field and you just kinda of go That one's right. That's fine, let's pick that, that's fine. Perfect for playing that Italian reggae. Yeah. If you listen closely in the fens, you can hear across Cambridge the sounds of the musical carrots as it blows across the field. And that is how the rejected version of the family nest starts. Anyway. Uh, Pertwee. Pertwee would be like a massive pumpkin or something, wouldn't he? Yeah, there was a vulnerable image. I mean, he's been to your before, he has, he's, yeah, Did he show a fondness for any particular type of root vegetable? No, he showed a fondness for the, a lot of the wine that my dad had in the cellar. <laughs> um, basically, as he would sit there with my dad and drink, I think the gin and tonics to begin with, and then about three bottles of red wine between the two of them, and regaling old theatre stories. That was Pertwee, not my dad. <laughs> um, I bet they had breakfast. My dad was just, <laughs> my dad was just nodding sagely and listening. Because hotel management wasn't quite on the same level of stories as when I did the Palladium. It would be nice if it was the other way, right? Just your dad telling theatre stories for Pertwee's lessons. <laughs> Just go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't get a word in Edwards. No. Yeah. Do you know how much Pertwee was in, uh, to hire for that in 1985 or six? I can't remember which one was. Oh, we're going prices right here. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I guess you're right. hiring John Pertwee to light a bonfire and stick around and, 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 and be like the master of ceremonies for the evening. You're close enough to Dumfries and Bell. Is there some sort of Wicker Man themed event you had at your hotel? Um... There is a Wicker Man event, <laughs> but it's not in Greta. I'm just going to Google to see if any policemen went missing right at the same time. Uh, I, I would get the songs. Whole, the songs were lovely. Whole, whole comparing and lighting a bonfire, eighty-five quid in nineteen eighty-six. Eighty-five quid. He was a big man. He was famous. Lee's game. I'm going to go higher, Leslie. Uh, I'm showing my age there. Higher. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say one hundred and fifty pounds. No! It's going to be much higher than that. It's going to be way It's a money grabbing bastard. We have 500 quid. Jesus. 500? Yep. What's that today's money? I don't know. It's 500 quid. We haven't changed the decimalisation or anything. Not yet. We're not having these euros! Wait until we wait until November. We're back to battle with potatoes. Let's see, 500 pounds. In 1986? 86. Aye, roughly about that. 86. In today's money, listen is a bit fine, it's absolutely simply in today's... I like how 10 minutes in you've Googled something twice. I think you'll find we're actually 18 minutes in on that. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. 18 minutes and we're working out what money was worth in 1986. Right, here we go. So... Uh, okay, it's going as close as we can, so 2017. So, let's see... I'm going to have to do some maths here, because it's only going to be £100. Talk amongst yourselves. Manchester was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was good with the kids. Um, yeah. I like walking around the place. 
It was nice that it was all in the one venue, ah, but it wasn't squeezed. No, 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 it wasn't that many queues and all that. You basically thought you'd just go to the pub and listen to like Doctor Who DVD extras, yeah. like we were saying. And it was quite well attended. Yeah, I was chuffed to see that as well. Yeah, the cosplay going on. The, the dude walking around, oh, I say walking around, wheeling yeah. around his Davros was a good yeah. highlight. I don't, I don't know why you'd do that. Yeah, it wasn't a disabled ramp in sight, was it? No, really and, and half the stuff was down at least a couple of steps. Yeah, <laughs> you have to get ten guys, draw two poles for him, and lift them up yeah. the stairs. But I don't know if he actually got to go see anything, or if he just tooled around in the hallway. There was the kid who'd made the replica TARDIS as well, because like a TARDIS yeah. was like a professional photography thing, like at one corner, but then up the way, if you went round the corner a bit more, there was some guy, kid who just set up, like him and his dad made it in their garden or something. Yeah. And that's the one we got a photo in, because that was free. Yes. <laughs> and it's the photo, by the way, of the three of us that my mum has up in her office now, because you think, it's a really nice photo. I don't know who the other two are. Yeah. <coughs> that's Lee and Dave. Eh? Lee and Dave. Yeah. I don't know who they are. Right. I go up to the big city every so often and we look at people files on the telly and record things about Doctor Who. Yeah. Okay, £500. Right. It was Barry's confirmed price in 1986. So, for the caravan, Dave, go as close as we can. What do you think that £500 was worth in today's money? What was Perry's fee? What else would have cost £500 quid in 1986? Bloody car or something like that. Yeah. I'll go £3,972.86. Gold. Four grand. <laughs> Gentlemen, Dave has won £1,392.70. Wow. <laughs> Dave's looking a bit less than I thought was David has now given me a look in his face that he really, really doubts that. You've just won the game. No, I don't doubt it. It just doesn't sound like much. Uh, you know, Liam yeah. did not. Because so. £500.1986, you could have bought a cheap second-hand car. So yeah, cheap second-hand car, that's about right. Yeah. It's almost the price that you'd pay to buy a planet. <laughs> hey! Smoothly done. That is nice. Yeah. Jeez, I had to well, get only, if it, only if it's a class two planet. A class two planet. And then you wouldn't be buying a mine. No. <laughs> you'd be buying the whole planet. You could maybe buy a map. You'd maybe buy a map, yeah. I think you'd find you need at least eight million gold flurbans to buy a planet. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, cool, but yeah. Um, so yeah, see how I've just lassoed that entire podcast. Like, just like you know, this, at this it. is why we brought you into this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, kind of going, let's do this, let's do this. So I. So Tom Baker. I'm doing all of them, by the way. This is going to be a three other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we can't quit now, Tom. Tom Baker. Tom Baker. Whatever his vegetables. Fruit or vegetables? Or just food stuff, wasn't it? Food stuff, yeah. Yeah. LSD. <laughs> it would explain a lot. <laughs> Peter Davison. Not allowed celery. Marijuana. That's in the bank. Medical marijuana. It's medical. Yeah, He's got a problem. That's yeah, why he smokes yeah. it. He doesn't use it recreationally. You know? Nope. No. You've got to go through the entire... Now, yes. we've spread this yes. out for all the episodes. Yes, I'm I going to make them all <laughs> drugs. Uh, <laughs> so Colin Baker then. What would Colin, Colin Baker, Baker be? Colin Baker would be like a, I think like, like a chilli. Like really sort of... 
inhospitably hot <laughs> chili. <laughs> you really, it's really painful to actually, you know, the purpose of it is to eat, but it's actually a really painful in process to a get Scotch there. bonnet. Aye. Because it sounds much nicer than it is. Yeah, aye. And it's also got the uh, the tartan effect. It's, yeah. You know, Scotch. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Scotch bonnet. Um, you've got us back off topic. Well done. <laughs> we're going to be here forever doing this. Yes. We're going to be three o'clock. We're going to go for lunch at one stage, will we not? Yeah. Um, it's yeah, McCoy. It's tomorrow, though. <laughs> Still, it's just tomorrow, right? Okay, I'll flip on the couch. McCoy. Uh, McCoy uh, would be. Um, Pickled onions. What? It's just the way he sits. <laughs> I, where are you getting pickled onions from? Because I'm just picking the first thing that I think of just so we can move this along. Because <laughs> it's alright, okay, fair. Uh, pickled onions, Lee. Pickled onions, okay. Pickled yeah. onions puts a smile on his face, I suppose, doesn't it? Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Um, probably an avocado because it's like ripe for about an hour and a half and it just disappears <laughs> to throw it out. yeah you spend ages waiting for it to be yeah, just right and then it just goes right, and then it just goes that's it right John Hurt oh we're including John Hurt oh, we're including John Hurt oh, oh god Lee John Hurt something a wee bit grizzled that's um dark that's, chocolate I like that 80% stuff. Yeah. Which you think is going to be nice. It's going to be like, oh, 80% cocoa. And then you realise that chocolate in its rawest form fucking better. Yeah. It's really good and little, little pieces. Aye. And you kind of want more, but you kind of don't because no, it won't be as good as you remember. And it's one of the things you eat and you can't, you're supposed to culturally be enjoying. It's like sushi. You're like, kind of there going, ah, it's really nice. Yes. It's, like, it's like that steak I had at that Jamaican restaurant. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, and yeah, aye, aye yeah, we'll dark, yeah. chocolate? dark okay. chocolate, dark chocolate, Eccleston. Something that is like maybe like brings back an old favourite dish from like the eighties, but is horrendously expensive. Let me just Google Christ of Fintus crispy pancakes now. Vianetta. <laughs> oh, the Vianetta, hi. Too expensive for what it actually should be, which yeah. is like vanilla ice cream and a slab of chocolate through it. Yeah. Aye. We'll go with that. I think it's way posher than it actually is. Aye. Aye. Vianetta, that Italian delicacy. <laughs> we'll come back Served in Naples and Rome. Yeah. <clears throat> Tenant. Tenant. Um, overly popular, but mostly overdone. Um, some kind of fast food, isn't it? Yeah, something like shitey burger from. He's a happy meal. He's a happy <laughs> meal. Yeah. yeah, in the kind of like, are you happy? Are yes. you really happy? You're eating this. You can't yeah. be that happy. You look a bit grumpy. You're greeting again for the fifth episode in a row. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Do you want to talk to somebody? Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay. Ten to two point The blue suit. <laughs> Yeah, you remember. Yeah, Ten and two point. Yeah, to see this four. Oh right, okay, okay, right, okay. Regenerates, so it goes into the hand to get a new David Tennant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be the Happy Meal with the fruit on the side. Yeah. <laughs> you think it should be better, but it's not. It's it's the one, yeah, the one bit that could give you maybe a wee bit of enjoyment, you've kind of just basically swapped out, thinking yeah. that it's good for you, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. it's really not. Matt Smith. Uh, rah, rah, rah. Um, like. Because he's like the youngest, it's like, why am I joining in on this? <laughs> I'm really thinking about this now. They've committed to it now. It's Welcome like, to the Polis Box. Oh my god. <laughs> it's Edit too this late dude. to turn back. Um, <laughs> this could be a whole episode on its own. This could be yeah, a spin off podcast. We should have recorded this in Manchester. They would have, this would have done in the meantime. No, 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 no. Um, right. Because uh, Matt Smith was the youngest, 
So once again, it's like something from your childhood, which kind of has no bearing now, and you haven't really heard of it, but you're kind of going, is he still around doing stuff? Angel Delight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there they are. You're kind of thinking, do they still sell? Maybe, I don't know. I've not seen it. Peter Capaldi. It's an Italian dish that's come over to Scotland. Pizza. He's now just... Haggis pizza. Deep fried pizza. Yeah, Haggis <laughs> pizza. We'll do Haggis pizza. It's Scottish. The base is a bit Italian. Yeah. Um, served in Naples and Rome originally though. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it could be like the deep fried one. It's family of ice cream. Uh, the Capaldi's. Yeah, the Capaldi's. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's one of the... The Capaldi, Capaldi ice cream clan, yeah. So was uh, Daniel and Ardini. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Part of the Nardini ice cream family. Is that all Italian families in Scotland? No, some of them have chippies. Uh, Chip shops are ice cream, that's what they did. Well, that's yeah. what they knew. Only up until November when we send them all back home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I might go with them, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. You fancy coming to Italy or staying in Scotland for the winter? Well. Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. Something that's new and hasn't quite caught on yet. Hasn't quite caught on yet. And is actually really, really good, despite some people thinking it should be horrific. Corn. Uh, Prefer we something from there. Oh, no, that's not too rough. All right, no. you living. <laughs> the blandest thing you can think of. <laughs> not my corn. That thing you have to make taste of something. No. Um... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there anything from the north of England that's like... What about cheeky Nando's? She could be a Nando's. Some people like her, some people hate her. She caught on for a while and nobody's sure anymore. I think I'll go with that. Cheeky Nando's? Yeah. Okay. If anything, just keep him happy and get on with this bloody podcast. And if you want a note of today's recipes, go to CFAX page 178. <laughs> right. CFAX! <laughs> Okay, big finish on down doctors now. <laughs> or companions. <laughs> We've got six hours. What food is Captain Jack? <laughs> all the fruits. <laughs> all the fruits, all the time. He's just a melon with a hole cut. <laughs> Shall we get on with it? I repeat, my mum could be listening to this. <laughs> I'm totally not editing this down. Oh my! The Crenoid podcast can do three hours on one episode. So can we? What? Oh yeah. What episode? I mean, admittedly, they don't play fun games like this. But <laughs> it's every episode. You mean they just talk about the actual subject they're meant to be yeah, talking about? Yeah, they're, they're doing it all wrong. For three hours, I mean, though. Lovely guys, but they do it all wrong. I suppose it's been eleven months. We have to warm ourselves into this. Only <laughs> well, forty-five minutes to go, lads. <laughs> oh, okay. Shall we get on with it then? Anyway, so I, what I was supposed I, to be doing. I was talking about that buying the planet. Jeez. <laughs> but if the doctor was a player, which planet would he? No, no. <laughs> Okay, if anybody's still listening, uh, let's go on what we're supposed to be doing. I know that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Zoned out long ago. Yeah. Oh, what are we saying? Tomorrow's! Oh, actually, no, no, before we do get on with the episode. Oh my god. <laughs> We've got admin to do. Uh. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this as much at home as we are here, Bill. I am. Right. We have done the uh, results from the votes. For oh, no, the set of episodes we've done. Yeah. So, uh, uh, we done. <laughs> That's what it. did we do? Insult the listeners, it always yep. works. <laughs> and then say that you can't remember what you did. So, last time round we've done the rescue. 
Oh yeah. Uh, the return of Doctor Mysterio. Oh, I'll grab on your chair. Oh, that one. That one, yeah. That one, yeah. <laughs> and Terminus. So, uh, let's go with episode 16. So, the rescue. Uh, who defended, who prosecuted? Can we even remember? Yes. No. But it's, it's up to, to the listeners. Um, <laughs> we should get all these catchphrases, it's a bit of mugs for Christmas. Christ, I'm away. I'm away. Uh, oh, I've got the, I forgot the TV movie here. This was a year ago. Oh no. Terminus. Uh, was that defending Terminus? Because I'm writing positive things about it and I don't think I'd do that without the medication. <laughs> yeah. Probably was. No, the rescue. No, I was prosecuting the rescue. I remember that. Okay, I was defending the rescue. Yes. So we'll go with that first. Right. So I remember I, I don't. I didn't have any memory of the rescue, and I had to slide off. And in reality, it was. I quite enjoyed it. Okay, so the results of that one, episode sixteen, the rescue. Guilty. Fourteen <laughs> percent. Not guilty. Eighty-six percent. So it's safe. It's not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. Goes into the canon. Anyway, that's fair enough. Yeah, well, okay. yeah. You can. Episode 17 was a return of Doctor Mysterio, uh, the Christmas special from a couple of years back. Yeah, I think now, I, I prosecuted that. This one. Yeah. I must have been defending it then. Yeah. Okay. So the result, episode 17, the return of Doctor Mysterio. Guilty. 50%. Oh, not guilty. Oh, this 50%. was the one. That, yeah, this was the one that ended 50-50. So um, I don't yeah. know how we're going to resolve this. So we set on a coin toss. Who, who was adjudicating that episode? That's who decides. Me. Then you get to decide. Do I get the? Oh, right. Well, I get the decision. Okay. Right. Oh, Doctor Mysterio. It's been that long since I watched it. It feels like a year. Probably because it was. Yeah. Um. It's been a year. It's been a year. <laughs> Christmas special. It's not one of the worst Christmas specials. It's not one of the best either. But... It's not one of the best. Yeah, but as, I, as I've said before, Christmas specials, the rules book goes kind of at the window and it's supposed to be kind of like a bit of sort of standalone. Bit yeah. of fun. I enjoyed my Doctor Mysterio. I would watch it again. i watch it again. I'm not guilty. Not guilty? There you not go. guilty. Victory. Not guilty. There we go. Return of Doctor Mysterio, not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who, goes into the canon. Finally, Terminus, episode 18. Uh, right, uh, who's doing what on that? We don't know. We don't know. We could well, if I was prosecuting... If I was prosecuting the rescue and adjudicating Doctor Mysterio, then I would have been defending this, Terminus. surely. Yes. I think I was probably prosecuting that one. I think you must remember you and me having. Oh, no, yeah. can it be? I must have been you. Because I prosecuted Mysterio. Was that the Mevy Dave one? Yeah. It was, it? Yeah. Okay. So, episode 18, Terminus. Guilty, 43%. Not guilty, 57%. So, we've got a clean speak. We've got three going into the canon this time around. That's right? a surprise. Yeah, that's the thing that's really That's a bit of a surprise. surprise. Right. You mean that fans of Doctor Who might listen to this and then they might think that Doctor <laughs> Who is quite good? I'm shocked and saddened by this news. It's almost like we're, we're fans of a show, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We, we go to events in bloody Manchester yeah. for these things. <laughs> Jesus, anyone would think we actually like watching it. Mm. Oi, niche listener, do you like this? Oh, you do? <laughs> that's a surprise in the boat. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to think this. Burn it all down, start again. Alright, shall we go on with this episode's uh, subject then? Who are we putting in the dock this time round? Anyway, if you haven't guessed already, it's the bloody reboss operation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inspector Reboss. The key to time is a perfect cube which maintains the equilibrium of time itself. These segments must be traced and returned to me before it is too late. 
before the universe is plunged into eternal chaos. You want me to volunteer, isn't that it? Precisely. If I don't? Nothing. Nothing? You mean nothing will happen to me? Nothing at all. Ever. I'm so sorry, Ken. I'm the holiday's off. Doctor! That's the new assistant. My name is Ramona Varadna London. I'm so sorry about that. Is there anything we can do? For the Clotnall's Welcome! Extraordinary. What is it? you heard? Obviously just a ritual greeting and reassurance. But he said it in a Somerset accent. I've got a brand new combine harvester and I'll give you the cane. Come on now, let's get together in perfect harmony. I got 20. Rebox Operation was broadcast between the 2nd of September 1978 and the 23rd of September 1978. Viewing figures were 8.3 million for episode 1, 8.1 million for episode 2, 7.9 million for episode 3 and 8.2 million for episode 4. Starring Tom Baker as the Doctor, uh, Mary Tam as Romana, Ian Gifferson as Garen, Nigel Plaskett as Unstoff, Paul C. etc. 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 Apprentice Hancock as the Captain. Uh, right, who's doing what on this one? Um, I, I am prosecuting. I'm defending this uh, okay. masterful. <laughs> Who wants to start off then? Who wants to oh, take the reins here? But if each doctor was a month of the year, of which must we take Well, we've got 13 now, we've ended. Who's want to start then? If the doctors were animals of the Chinese zodiac. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, reboss. Hurtley's definitely a hand for Reboss. Reboss Operation. Episode 1. Yes. It might be the creepiest opening to any Doctor Who story ever. Tom right. just lying on the floor, stroking his metal dog. What, and saying, I've got a little surprise for you? Yeah. Would you like to go on holiday? I'll take you away from all this. Um. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about the starting bit where he's uh, the wicker chair. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just like lounging, man of CNA style. I had it once again. My, my memory of the key of time was quite vague when I started this because obviously originally I thought the one we were doing was the Pirate Planet yeah. and I started watching that and then realised it was wrong and also I totally forgot that this was the opening one for some reason in my head I had Androids of Tara down as the opener on this one yeah but obviously it's not so this will be the setup for the entirety of this series yes where the uh, White Guardian is in a wicker chair yes in a planet somewhere yeah taking a day off from uh, doing his uh, fried chicken Yep, yep, because yep. you know it's a tough job after the works. And um, yeah, there's, there's an important task. Yeah, because you have to go and get the key of time before the Black Guardian gets it. Yeah, and Don't. just to make matters even better, they're all disguised as something. And here you go, Tom. Here's your really strange one slash sex toy thing. Yep, to so just go and hunt them all out. Here's your tech and dildo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, it opens and the daughter gets told. You need to go and get this. You've volunteered. No, don't, don't, don't. Re- you've volunteered. You have to go. By the way, you're taking her with you, and here's a and dildo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, I, I, I didn't leave the TARDIS for nine months. And here's one thing you have to remember: don't trust the blacks. <laughs> Man in a white suit and a white chair saying, "Don't trust the blacks." Almost colonial, isn't it? Yes. I have written British Rajasthan meets KFC. 
<laughs> that's what I was like because he gets out there oh almost, there's a restaurant you almost think there should be some local sitting there fanning the white guardian yeah I just like <laughs> yeah sat there um, yeah so that's your setup. gets back in the TARDIS and in the the space of time it's like he's been outside the TARDIS um, old Romana's turned up and has managed to actually drill a hole through the TARDIS console yeah to insert aforementioned strange wand yes. into so they can get all the information that they need to go and hunt down keys of parts of the key of time. Yeah, which is apparently when you put it together it's a perfect cube which breaks into six pieces. Yeah. In my head there's no way that you can break a cube into six equal pieces. No, no I mean, really. You kind of can, but they're just rectangles. Well, I think they've nicked it off the Krypton factor, to be honest yeah. with you, when you look at it. Yeah. Because it does look like one of them yeah. mental strategy things. So, so the Black Guardian is Gordon Burns then? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Into the Armageddon factor, they have to do an assault course. To complete yeah, the they have to do an assault course, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then land the TARDIS in a simulator. <laughs> and they crash it into Tokyo Airport. Oh, I always wanted to do that in the Krypton factor. Yeah. Just the flight sim. But, but it's like watching F1, you just want them to crash, isn't yeah. it? Just like kind of going, just, just, just crash. And it's always the one, oh, and here we are, Cindy's just crashed the plane, nose first, the burning. No points for the green team. No points for the green team. No. Um, so yeah, and then we start off with um, there's a castle outside in the snow. Yeah, it, it cuts to Game of Thrones, basically. Yeah, like 30, 40 years before Game yeah, of Thrones actually like, started. I actually wondered if George R. R. Martin watched a lot of this Doctor Who when he was picking the randomly English names for families and setting them in castles up north and people saying they're from the north. It's quite Game of Thronesy. Like You're talking about a person who's never seen an episode of Game of Thrones, by the way. That's fine. Um, you'll have seen the memes. Yeah. 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 It's got dragons and it's Winter very snowy. And it's kind of cold, yeah. apparently. But it's also lots of people wearing fur and ah. having random weird accents that don't fit with the world they're meant to be in and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I just... At any point in a game episode of Game of Thrones, does anyone walk past going, Four o'clock now as well! <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. No, has that never been... Not that I remember in the... Sean Bean not say that. <laughs> Should have seen the spikes go from that screen. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. No, nobody in Game of Thrones says that, but it's... The accents in this actually bothered me. Because yeah. keep, everyone keeps changing their accent. Yeah. And they don't go back to one, they just pick a different one. Yeah, but it's, it's like, if, you, if you're on like an alien planet... You're not, and it's a strange accent. A strange accent would be a Somerset accent, as it's labelled as, would yeah. just be a strange accent. You're not yes. going to kind of go, oh, the nuances. Oh no, he, wait a minute, that's more, that, that that's more surely Welsh. You wouldn't do that. But I, I thought if you listen to these rather than watching them, you'll have no idea who's speaking half the time because they keep changing their voice. No. So if yeah, this was a missing no, episode. Yeah. No, no. I think so. You'd. Um, I mean, you're talking about Garen and Unstuffed here. Yes, mostly. Can we point out that Garen is a rarity in Doctor Who in the fact that he's actually from Bloody Earth and not a companion? Yes. And therefore is somewhat refreshing. Yes. And he's also a pretty cool character as well. I like him. As far as lovable rogue comes across, and like, you know, he's a thieving git, but he's quite. He's tall cool with a heart. Got... Yeah, yeah, aye. Aye. Thief with a conscience. Yeah, exactly. Set when he next to Tekindildo. And just leaves Romana wandering around. Well, yeah, it just leaves Romana to die. There's monsters down here. I'll take your guide out. Bye. (laughs) Wanders off. Um, So there's some treasures in the castle, we find out. Yeah. And um, the the, the kind of crown jewels in this vault 
are guarded overnight by this beastie thing that they let loose. Yes. It's never quite explained how they round it back up again. No. But um, put it in its little box. And, but and they have a ceremony where they turn the lights out, and absolutely nothing about the lighting in the room changes. <laughs> they go around, turn the lights out, and like a little light goes out, but the restroom's fully lit all the time. And then they go stand outside, and, and they release the beast, as Tom used to call it. <laughs> But they don't know that the, the two thieves have drugged the beast. Yes, they feed it a bit of meat that's laced with drugs so it's asleep. Yeah. And then they sneak in to plant things. Yeah. And obviously these being thieves, they cut a hole in the glass that then they magically repair. Because they're high-tech thieves. Yeah. How do you know it's glass though? You don't know it's glass, you're right. It could it be something that just rebuilds itself. We're on an alien planet here. It might shock you, I know, it's Doctor Who. <laughs> That's going to be your defence for every logical flaw. <laughs> yeah. It's an alien planet, right? alien planet here. No one has to breathe. So, but yeah, these two relatively low-level thieves can break in to yeah. this jewel case, Yeah. which the Doctor can't break into with his sonic screwdriver. It takes our mages to do it. Yep. But they can do it. There's a lot at the start of this, though, about... For the first kind of half, the two episodes of the four for this one, it's yep. basically the Doctor being shown up to be a sort of blustering idiot. Yes. It's only really from halfway through until the end that him and Romana kind of click. And he becomes and then the Doctor as well. He know. becomes the Doctor that you've known. For the yeah. first two episodes of this, he's an overbearing arse. Because yes. he just doesn't really... He's southern assault to himself and doesn't want So there's that element of it in like that part of him not being able to do it instantaneously has to be there because otherwise it wouldn't fit at that time. If it was in the first, like the, the, the latter half, then yeah, you'd have him just go, and he would just go, like, like, yeah, you know. But you can't really do it initially. And I'd say, if they've, if Garn and Unstuffed are thieves, they've obviously planned. Yeah. Whereas the Doctor's just turned up. So we'll have no idea where the hell he is initially, and we'll have to get his bearings. Whereas these two guys have obviously kind of scoped this out and know what the game plan is. Talking of scoping things out, how right. come nobody ever looks through the bars in the window at the top of that door? <laughs> because maybe they're not tall enough. <laughs> but they're at like head height. There's, you see them open the doors, there's like bars there. There are several shots where they are looking directly through the bars into the room. And they don't see and an anything. eye line with practically everybody that's there, and not a single thing yeah. spotted. The lights. <laughs> They turn the lights off. It's bright. Yeah, lit. but it depends on how like cones and rods in the back of your eye. Don't get me work started. Don't get my work started on here. Cones and rods. That sounds like a good name for a blues band. <laughs> I'm cones. He's rods. Anyway, um, joining us on Joe's Island tonight. So, Unstoffed is the younger of the two thieves. Garen's the older one. Garen's yep. obviously more experienced. Unstoffed has to go down to this pit and get. Um, this, uh, it's the, this is when the Jethric comes into it, isn't it? Yes. yes. Or as we'll later discover it, the Scringstone. Yeah. Um, in which, meanwhile, Garen tries to essentially set up a deal to sell this planet to a visiting prince, isn't it? Yes, he has his prince something something. He's prince something something of something something. Yeah. It's, 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 the fa- it's the phase that Doctor Who goes through of just making up random names of everything. And you're there kind of going, who, what? Yeah. Um, in my notes, I ended up just calling him Posh Boy. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. He's pretty much, like, you know, he's, he's probably the next leader of the Tory party. He's warmongering tough. Warmongering basically. tough, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's called the Graf, isn't it? Yeah, he's which is German... 
or photograph. Do you hate photograph paper? Yeah, Steffi Graph, Van der Graaff generator. <laughs> yep. Graphic novels. Graphic Steffi novels. Graf. Graphite pencil. It's German for all those things. Graphic violence. The first style language. <laughs> German. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, he, he becomes basically an estate agent. Yeah, he's essentially trying to sell the... Well, it's a, is it a mine originally? It's a mine originally, isn't it? Um, no, it's the planet. No, so, you know, yeah, because he knows it's the planet. It's the doctor that assumes it's the mine. Yeah, yes. it's, it's just the mine, but it's actually the whole planet. Um, yeah. So, the doctor... After all that is set up, uh, the doctor and Ramana land. Um, I've got here the doctor's really not liking Ramana. Or Fred. As she's called. Yeah. Call me Fred. Or your man. Quite an apt name though, because much like a Manchester United namesake, she's barely used. She's got to be there for one season before getting moved on. Hey, Fred's still there. He'll come through in the end. <laughs> he isn't the new baby. It's fine. Yeah, she, has, she doesn't use much. She gets told to run around a bit. Canine gets sent after her at one point. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't really bring anything to the story. She doesn't really get used at all for anything. Yeah. At, at this juncture, perhaps. Yeah, I'd say she comes into more later on in other stories in the yeah. um, key of time. But in, in this story, the four episode block, she's not used. She's introduced and she's shouted at. Oh, totally, as we said. And that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think you mean, you know, kind of like she's. I think not only in a story sense, but also a production sense. She's there to keep the Doctor slash Tom Baker's ego in check. Probably, yeah. That's probably the only reason. She, it's a, there's a wider picture going on here. Oh, yeah. In that she's only there to kind of keep like the stoppers on Tom's ego going out of control. But also possibly to give him something to vent at a little bit. Yeah. Because if you had Tom Baker on his own in this entire story... Yeah. I don't think it would be anywhere near as effective. No. So whilst you can say that she doesn't do much, she's still kind of a buffer between... She doesn't between. do much in the story. Aye. But she does in the... In the overall kind of thing of it, then yeah. So I think it's still important that she's supposed to be there. It's, it's also a very convoluted heist plan they've got, the two thieves. Well, he's buying this planet, so we'll give him the mineral report and we'll hide a big lump of mineral in with the crown jewels. To make him convinced that it's got loads of this jetric. Yeah. yeah. Why not just give him the mineral report? That would be enough, and then you don't have to. Yeah, but there's always the option of you, if you've just saw it red on something that he's given you, then you know you'd think that you might be lying. At least you know actually seeing a piece of it confirms it. And then there's the whole story about oh, my old father got the screen stone. Yeah, he was found dead next to this map. Found dead next to this map. They had to prize it from his cold hands. Yeah. One day come the summer time, I'll go and find that mine. Exactly. So I will. But they didn't need to do that, but. Because if they'd cut, if they decided not to plant the rock, mm -hmm. then they wouldn't have had to drug the beast, climb into the crown jewels room, break into the crown jewels, then fix the damage, then pretend it to be a guard. But what's the alternative? Show him the mineral report, right. rely on his ego, which everyone knows was massive. Well, yeah, but that's you're knocking out about three or four scenes there. Oh no. So, I'm, I'm not and it's kind of like, you can't just have, you know, oh, there you go. They get, plus the fact that when Unstoff goes down at the fault of the start, and the Sriven's Isles there, then it establishes the fact that this monster's quite dangerous. Yes. Whereas if you didn't do that, it would be like, that's just a thing. 
in a cupboard next to these vaults. Which, which is basically what it looks like. It's just a thing in a cupboard. Yeah. Can we also, by the way, say that it's refreshing, once again, to have a Doctor Who story, which the monster's not the biggest thing in it. It would be really, really easy to just have like, oh, it's the Shrivenzal walking around the castle or, killing folk. Let's the stop the Shrivenzal. The biggest monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the, biggest mo- the biggest monster in this story, Dave, I think you'll find is human greed. <laughs> I think that's the biggest monster. Yes, yes, yes. Um, obviously, there's more than one Shrivenzal. They're coming out the walls. Yes. But um, it's, yeah, it's... it's not. There's a whole family of them. There's a whole family of them. So, yeah, um... Where are we? We're knocking on at the end of the first episode. It's only taken yeah. us nearly an hour. Um, so the tracking rod um, goes mental when the Doctor and Ramar are in the vault. Yep. And they kind of work out that this weird-looking stone in this glass case might be... Although I think at this point Romana still thinks it's the Crown Jewels. She does think it's the Crown Jewels. Yes. They know something in the rooms. Yeah. They've when worked out that's where the... Ah, yeah. It doesn't come until later, does it, when they yeah. worked out? Because Tom Baker worked out. The Doctor works it out. Yeah, the cliffhanger of the first part of this is the aforementioned Scribenthal yep. walking into the room. Well, no, it's like kind of Romana just kind of backs into it. Yeah. Kind of failing to notice the massive sleeping <laughs> lizard yeah. in the cupboard she's just walked into. Yeah. And then that kind of the door starts coming down and then it's like and it starts to wake up from its food coma. And uh, yeah, and that's the old uh, the doctor's just kind of trying to save Romana while all this shutter comes in. Yeah, the really slow moving shutter that Romana decides it's to lie hand under. Bloody pulled! I don't, I, I it's heavy! Then why does she decide to lie underneath it and wait? <laughs> because! Oh no, this, of... this could be really scary in about five to six minutes' time. <laughs> and then the doctor decides to help her by lying next to her underneath it. You might think uh, you could stop it. I don't know the position here is impartial and the, the, the judge in this case. But this is a story that is awash of weak cliffhangers, isn't it? Yes. Very weak cliffhangers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, that's not going to factor into my overall judgment. But I'm just saying. Oh, but, but you're just pointing out flaws. But it sounds yes, like everybody's pointing out flaws. Yeah. So basically, every single note I've got about cliffhangers ain't going to wash. Yeah. <laughs> it convinced me otherwise. Which in many ways is prejudicing the defence. And it's unfair on me. As well as on you. No, it's unfair on both of us. So yeah, I suppose it's fair. The fact is, I have to say something, and I'm still this episode. Why? <laughs> to make people here. Fair enough. You've already done your vegetable bit at the start. People know you're here. <laughs> Jesus. We haven't beaten you to death with a parsnip or anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With a spring on you. That's the cliffhanger ending. The beast waking up and Roman and the doctor are trapped under a slow-moving slab. Alright, I'll do my usual thing then. If not that, what else? It's all very well saying you don't want something, but what's the alternative, Dave? That's not my job. My job is not not to improve this. My job is to prosecute it and say what doesn't work. And that doesn't work as a cliffhanger. So to answer your own question, how would you improve it? I'm trying to think now. (laughs) I'm trying to think. You'd want... You can't really escalate too much danger at the end of the first episode. What? Can't you, know, you can't quite have the castles under attack we're all going to die in a fiery hell. Because you haven't quite got to that bit yet. You do, however, need something with at least a touch more than mild pedal to draw people back for episode so two. So would you want... This like, is usually episode one is one of the most important so would you, the only alternative I can really think of would be to change it slightly and have the Scrivens all come out of the 
the cupboard. Sam's weird. Skipping's all out the cupboard. Sprint's legs. Uh, Sprint his legs. <laughs> Quick cock of the leg and away you get. <laughs> against the curtains. Um, careful, it might chew them. Um, and then, yeah, and having them sort of like. But then you kind of, you're under just having this kind of like Benny Hill effort around the middle of the. Tom Baker in a French maid's outfit. Yeah, very <laughs> much for that image. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened. But that costs um, more than £500. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Baker and a French maid's outfit. No, don't Google it. I'm pretty sure if you go on your website, that'll be one of the extras. So I know you got a side photo, <laughs> but there must be more. I mean, I don't think there's not much you can probably change. You're looking at the weight of a door. Yes. Basically, I think the the prospect of locking Romana in the room with a monster that's just woken up, starving, hungry. It's probably going to be a lot more than it would be if they're actually in the vault and just kind of like running around this little pedestal yeah. in the middle of it. That's the only option you can have as far as that Largely, goes. yeah. And so it's, it's of those two, it's probably the better of it. Is the best of two bad options really a good thing? Yes. I, I'm just prosecuting as I should. In the event of no one suggesting any further alternatives, I just think, no, man, you. As the yes. independent adjudicator <laughs> said, it's a weak cliffhanger. <laughs> Because he's independent, entirely unbiased. Yes. Anyway. And he's now just Googling French maids' outfits. Yes. So do, do you know what? Dumpty you said as a joke, it actually was, but not for those reasons. The full search term I put in was Tom Baker French maid outfit, just to see if there was any instances. There's not. Fair I'm going to have to delete my search history now. Good. Good. That's what incognito's for, you know that. I wouldn't um, know if that's what incognito's for, I never use it. I've never used that kind of thing. It's like in the advert where they say, hey, use Google Incognito when you're trying to shop for the wife's birthday presents. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. That's what Birthday it's presents. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, episode two, there's some obstruction. Yeah. Um, clocks? No. <laughs> um, it's a really slow-moving door. And yes. And you realise that something is trapped underneath it. So they decide to lift the door. Yep. And then lower again. Seems to lower again. Just seems to. Yeah. It's, well, it's basically like effectively, it's their version of turn it off and switch it back yeah. on again. Shall we see if when we left it, the monster went back into the cupboard, or if it came out of the room? Nah, we'll stop for the doors. <laughs> we just totally do Fine. There's no way of knowing uh, if it's loose or no, not. No, 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 no. And they never have. So the guards come in the room. So they do come in the room to check, but this means that the doctor and the man have to hide behind some conveniently placed curtain type stand and display arrangements, which have got loads of holes in them and are almost see through anyway. Uh, there is that, yeah, there is that. But you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have, you know, you, you wouldn't have, have good hiding side. places. No, you wouldn't have good hiding places in a yeah. vault. It's a vault, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know why, but for some reason I've written lovely music here. I can't even remember the music. But I've written lovely music. So much, the music's good. Have you switched the radio on at that point? <laughs> no, I might have actually. I just come on. Um, so then Garen turns up again with uh, the guards and uh, tells them he's just arrived. So it's kind of spinning two lies here. Yeah. And he's from the north. Um, and he wants to store some money in the vault. Which um, may or may not go well. And also, how do the guards not notice that there's an extra big giant rock in with the crown jewels? I think it's because it doesn't mean much to them, as we established later on, in that it's just a stone. Yeah, but if your job is to guard the crown jewels, every day when you walk in, you'd expect at least to glance at the case to make sure it looks the same as it did when you left yesterday. I think you just get really familiar with stuff and you just assume it's all going to be alright. 
Maybe. You would. You know, human nature, you just get familiar. You know, you check so many times, you can't bother checking again. You know, it was there yesterday, you know it's going to be there. Why would it change? Because you're walking in the room, it's the first thing in but front of you. Why would it change? You look where you're walking. It's a vault, why would it change? You glance. Well, why would it change? Think, oh, that looks different. There's something right at the front. Scrivenzal's not bringing in anything. <laughs> it's not breaking into glass cases and putting rocks there and chewing them. Dave does have what? Dave does have a point because literally oh, they we have are. one job. Independent again. I'm just, Independent no, I'm just, again. I'm just listening to the argument and just you know. Bringing your two pence to the argument. Oh, yeah, that's yes. fine. I still think it's it's relying on the fact that it's an overfamiliarity. And as we've established this, the guards are not the greatest guards. But then again, what TV show and yeah. If, if the guards were amazing at their job, then basically they'd arrest Unstoff and Garen within about five minutes and we'd yes. have no story. They'd arrest the doctor for being from somewhere different. Yes. They'd expect... Welcome to Planet Brexit. Two thieves. One for impersonating a guard that nobody yep. notices. Uh, yeah, they'd, they'd arrest everyone quite quickly and probably... It's like when you play execute. Hitman and you nick someone's security outfit to get access to the upper floor. Yeah. And no one notices. Nobody notices that they've got a shaved head with a barcode yeah, tattooed on Yeah, with a barcode tattooed on you. That bald fella, he's just started today. Yeah. I don't remember seeing him before. I, no. He's one of us, it's fine. He's, he's got, got like clothes on. Man, yeah, it's fine. They, they don't fit him that well. That's, uh, they'll be fine. Probably right. The proper ones will probably arrive next week. Yeah. So, um, aye. So, Garen convinces the, the graph that the natives... Uh, won't be mining. Um, so basically, if there's Jethric on the planet, then yeah. he's, he's fine. Yeah. And they also, at this point, spin the wonderful story about how it's known as Scringe Stone. Yeah. And so therefore, they've absolutely no idea the the, the significance of what they've got it's and how it can power. Lucky. It's it's meant to be like a lucky stone. You'll never be frozen again. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, it's something that can power bloody starships yeah. and all this kind of jazz by the sounds of it. Which, which actually means that if it does keep you warm all the time, it's probably putting out some kind of radiation. Probably, yeah. And that's why it powers starships. It's like, a, yeah, it's like, yeah, a, yeah I had it round his neck and he never froze, mainly because he died of the radiation. <laughs> his hair fell out and his fingernails fell out and he, and he vomited his stomach out, but in the end, he never froze. <laughs> he was warm while he died. He was warm, <laughs> melting in a Pile of bubbling ash. Yeah. Don't quite know what ash bubbles is dry. Anyway, regardless. Um, I did put there while all the yokels portrayed with Somerset accents in this story, but never mind. Uh, the Doctor and Romana just appear next to Garen, and Garen obviously has to kind of like yeah. suddenly make this yeah. up and kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, these guys, yeah, no, Nobody no, seems remotely suspicious that they've just appeared out of absolutely nowhere. He maybe yeah. thinks it's like two people that are exactly the same plan as he's got, you know, that kind of, you know, just appear and just. Why, essentially? But, but um, also, the guys don't mention when people just randomly walk in in the jewel room all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just how they meet. They've made the set, Dave. They might as well use it. <laughs> um, Garen and the guard leave. Uh, this is the point where the graph is in the other room in the quarters and finds the microphone bug. Yeah. That he reckons now, because he's kind of on to Garen in that they've been listening to the conversation and fixing the price of the planets. And yeah. He thinks he's getting done. He thinks he's getting done. But so already... He still believes the heist. He yeah. He still believes they're trying to do him out with more money. Yeah. But at, the, at that time, it's not like... He still thinks the planet's for sale, but he thinks it's just about price. Yeah. They're doing them on. So, but already you're sowing the seeds for the graph being not only an egotistical, warmongering arsehole, but also now being a paranoid, egotistical, warmongering yeah. arsehole, which is probably ten times worse. Yeah. Um... So, oh, that's nice. I'll put the sirens on for this button. You know, they're going to come. 
bastard. Somebody's put in a call. <laughs> um, so the graph shows his um, the guard, the microphone. Yeah. His personal bodyguard and just kind of yeah. He's a tack dog, is how I keep bringing Attack dog, that's the guy. I couldn't remember the guy's name. Um, attack dog, that'll do. Yeah. Um, Scarface. Let's get talk about Scarface. Scarface. Alan Scarface. <laughs> um, so on stuff now is to get past the Swivens out to get the money and the Jethrick. Yeah. So I suppose it's kind of like he has to go back down to this pit again. But where else are you going to put it? Because they've had to kind of convince and spin this story about there's this amount of money that we need to get yeah. safe. There's only logical place on the planet is they're going to want to put it in the vault. Yeah. If you've already easily got into the vault the first time, you're going to be able to get into the vault the second time. If the plans work once, you're going to do it again. Right? There we go. But sadly at this point, um, the Graf uh, takes his crew of merry gunmen. He's Black Knights from Monty Python. The Black Knights from Monty Python, yes. And then decides that he's going to try and shoot um, Unstoffed and Garen. But then yeah. thinks that because the Doctor and Roman are with him as well, then they can die too. Shoot everyone. Shoot everyone. Like He's like, kill them. There's only one really awkward bit at the, the end of this where he ends up looking at the camera. Looks down there on the camera when he does it. like, execute them, like. <laughs> I don't quite know if that was intentional or what. It just felt like it was an outtake that they went, I fucking love you. There's a lot of very actoriness in this. Mm-hmm. There is a bit. Graph. Yeah, well, he's hamming it up. Yeah. But, but he is. Uh, you, you, the characters are all quite strong in this. Yes. He's quite strong. He is a very good bad guy because he is a bad guy. Yeah. There are no redeeming features to No, him. he's a vile, vile individual. Yeah. Um, and so is Attack Dog because he's basically just going along with it and complicit in all this. Yes. Like murder by the sounds of it. And they've been to other planets and done exactly the same bloody thing. Yes. Because they all talk about, Do you remember the war fields of Azakhtan? Yeah. Do you remember? But, but they're also doing that, they're doing the, the stage actor thing of where you, you face your body towards one person and you look and talk at the other one. Yeah. And they're, they're both doing that in a lot of scenes. Yeah. So they're probably professional, high quality stage actors. Yeah. But which is why they've got the stage actor stance and the stage actor voices. Yes. The problem with, if they used to have been on stage and you've never really done TV and film, yeah, obviously they're they're to project a lot, yeah. but it, they're not necessary because the camera's like that. Yeah, and the microphone's just there. there. The microphone's just there. Yeah. College filmmaking's the first thing you learn. Yeah. Don't get kids from the performing arts course. Because they're um, all trying to act. Unless they want to do film and it really tell you that. Yeah. Which I got lucky, I had a couple of guys on the performing arts course that did that. Anyway, by the by. Indeed. So that's your cliffhanger for episode How dare two. you take us off on a tangent? We would never do that. <laughs> no, we never do that. So what vegetable performing our yeah. students do? Um, so if the doctor was a flavour of soup. Which doctor would be which soft drink? Um, Capaldi's got to be an iron brew. Yeah, oh, yeah totally. That's new on. Uh, totally. Ten would be diet iron brew. What? Yeah, sugar-free yeah. iron brew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be... Peter Davison, what's weak and insipid? Oh man. Soda water. <laughs> Soda water. Right, okay, we're doing this again, folks. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, can we do that in the next one? <laughs> okay, right, we'll we'll Soft drinks as doctors. We'll That's going to be a regular feature now. Um, Harnell's got to be ginger beer. I was going to see like dandelion and bird duck or something like that. Something you got in the 1940s or something like that. Wyman slang. <laughs> you know what he's like. <laughs> Um, right. What's Raymond's thing? Yep, that's the cliffhanger at the end of episode two. 
It's a firing squad. Execute them. That's all right. Yes, it's quite. Uh, I'd say that. That's a good, you know. Yeah. Instant. How are they going to get out of this one? Death by laser. It's generic Doctor Who cliffhanger one on one, really, isn't it? Threatened with death by fire. Would you like any or... other generic cliffhangers <laughs> in your yes. in your suit? Actually, <laughs> so for this, I'll be adjudicating because apparently somebody can't. <laughs> Someone's just having a go. Yeah. Come all the way in a fucking train up here and this is what I get. <laughs> Jesus. Meet my own way. No, Cam, we're not picking you up today. We'll just meet your own way. I don't know where I'm going. I'll Google map it. It'll be fine. We'll give you yeah. 53 different sets of directions. Yeah, yeah. Match. I just like the difference between you two, by the way, is the fact that Lee was going at this massive paragraph explaining all this. Time. Turn left up here and then go up the hill and then do this. And when you get to this pub, turn this way and this way and this way. And then you just went, fuck it, here's the Google map link. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. I showed Claire that. I was like, well, that's the difference between the two of them. I know you've never met them, but just imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're digging a big hole for yourself here, by the way. <laughs> Dave, I'm getting coming into your argument more and more. <laughs> Episode good, three! That, that was fucking good instructions I gave it you. It was, to be fair. To be yes. fair, it was. <laughs> Although I completely missed the turn off it at the gardens. So that's the only way it went wrong. Damn it, just done now. Alright. All right. Um, so the doctor seems to get out of this situation by slapping a prince in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Which you think would be an automatic dual challenge or something like that. But no. this is the turning point of him. The, the bravado that he was kind of like using against Romana in the fact he didn't want her there is now like the bravado he's going to use against the people he sees injustice in. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's he, the he's found somebody point. better to aim at. Yeah, I would argue that, that. He's, he's found a better focal point of it now and just kind of realises that Romana's there and she's going to be there, so why just, she might as well stay, kind of idea. Yeah. So that's why he just. It's, it's one of them kind of like on guard duel kind of ones, wasn't it? Yeah. And he expected it to go, like, this is a challenge we'll yeah. one-on-one. But instead they go, no, just for that, you can all live. Take them away. <laughs> is it not a case of he'd rather see them suffer because of his insolence rather than just give them a quick death? Because he's all for quick deaths and honourable deaths, isn't he? Um, honourable deaths for him, but everyone else Yeah, everyone else can just, just get mashed as far as he's concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so... Um, the guards hold Garen, the Doctor, and Romana in the cells. Unstoppers is still loose at this stage because you need someone outside. Yes. Yeah, so he someone that isn't K nine. That isn't K. Yeah, please. Oh, he. Yeah, I know. The tin dog. The tin dog. Biting my tongue here. Um, there is apparently a whistle for K nine. Yes. Yeah, that's just a dog whistle. Yeah. Tin dog. You'd think he'd just have a setting on the sonic screwdriver. But no, yeah, he's got a button. Not even a setting, just a button. There you go. But no, he has to. Get, it's, it's the way that they tried to. I say, humanize canine and nice. Canine. Um, into like being. Oh, he's a real dog. No, he's not. He's a machine. He's not even a machine. He's, he's a prop. He's a pro- He's a wheel prop on wheels. He's not even a prop. He's a BBC micro on wheels. Yeah. Just for BBC micros we've been thing. Um, yeah, I can't really defend the tin dog. I'm afraid As I can't do. Yeah, it should be. Um, so Unstoffed ends up going to the underground and yep. finds Binro the heretic. Binbag. Binbag. <laughs> Binbag. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. That's what yeah. the kids would call. So, so I'm not standing there, not sure what to do, and this old tramp goes to him, "Hey, do you want to come in here?" And he goes, "Yeah, right then." Well, you wouldn't, the, other, the other option is you're going to get shot to death. But he's already been dressed as a guard. Yeah, so he's, but he's not dressed as a guard anymore. Where did they put the guard outfit? So he's going to get shot. Well, he's not going to try to put that on. He's not going to strip down to his undies when he's facing 
a homeless guy who says, come here. Is he? We've all, we've all made that mistake. <laughs> we've all been there on holiday. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's... Um, it's a, it, I think it's a good way of introducing Binro. Yes, he goes in and cuddles up with Binro and tells to be the stories f- of the stars. Yeah, but to be fair, in amongst all this, I see you've got some good characters in this. And I still think that some of the moments you have between Binro and Unstoffed are really good. When it's the two of them. Yes. When Binro's going on about how he was accused of being a heretic because he said that the stars were different systems and you could travel to them, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. He would just be, you know, shunned and sent yeah. to the underground. And... Unstoff's the one that tells him that he's right. Yeah. So before he inevitably pops his clogs at the end of the episode, end of the story, then at least he dies knowing he was right. And it's kind of a touching wee moment. Yeah. I mean, he's found out that everything he believed and was punished for his whole life is true. Yeah. And that there's these people that are going to go with the stars. Mm-hmm. He's vindicated, really, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Since then, maybe, I don't know. Saying, do you want to come with us and see the stars? Tell you what, you go off wander down there. It's certain death, but it's fine. But I think he's not just quite sure if Galen's going to accept it. I think Galen's very much in charge of the two of them. I think Unstoffed is just like... Yeah, but you think he'd at least make the offer. Nah, man, you don't know what they're travelling. Maybe a two-seater. Fair enough. You know, they might be kind of fit someone else in. Yeah. You'd, you'd never at any point see Galen and Unstoffed ship. No, because there wasn't the budget for it. No, exactly. So it could be, as far as storyline goes, just one of them two-seater, like a Flash Sports car type of thing. Yeah. They travel everywhere in the Porsche, and then they can't even really get yeah. anyone in the back seat. It's only got big enough for like your six-pack and then a hamster. And your cricket set, because you're from Somerset, obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Four o'clock, no as well! <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a bit where the Jessica is used for space warping, um, and the Doctor has a conversation with Garen, and this is the bit where I kind of thought Garen was a pretty cool character, because they're going to sell planets, don't you know? Yeah. Um, and he was great, and he talks about, yeah. as I say, it's refreshing to have a non-companion character pop up who's from Earth, and that's what makes Garen a little bit different. He's not like he's from, I'm from planet... Zog. Yeah, somebody like from Earth that doesn't need anything from the Doctor. Yeah, he's not there, doesn't need rescued. He's got his own wits about him, and he's purely done all this, you know, he's conned his way to get a piece of Jeffrey to actually get away from Earth in the first place, and seems to have just been going around the entirety of this planet, just conning his way throughout the... But everyone. here's a question for you. Jethric is an ultra, a really rare thing mm-hmm. that's really valuable, mm-hmm. and everyone knows what it's for. Except for Mana. Who we've already found is like 200 and something years old. How are does we not, she not know what it is? Are we not establishing though that at the start of this she bangs on about how many exams she sat and how she passed all this kind of stuff next yeah. time? Is it not that kind of whole thing where you do the difference between oh it's already well passed an exam but it's the experience that counts? Maybe, but... Okay. So, okay. You might not maybe know something... how an internal combustion engine works but you know what petrol is. Yeah, but... It's a very kind of basic outline of it, but... The argument would be that Romana's sat all these exams and lessons and she's like bases her intelligence on what people have told her, not making sense of what she's seen. Yeah, but so she, it's like if she's done exams and she's got education, you'd expect her to know how space travel works. And if this is space travel fuel, but it's maybe that's not the only fuel. lesson. No, but everyone knows what like everyone knows what it is and what it does. And how valuable it is. 
Except this 200-odd-year-old something person. It's just a bit of a flaw in it. That they didn't no, need so to so have it. She wouldn't, it, it, it wasn't... She's taken what she's got in face value back on Gallifrey, and they've basically told her all these things. This is how the planet works. This is the, the, they didn't maybe do Jethric 101. Maybe they did that as a night class, and she could be bothered turning up. Maybe it was an elective. She was maybe she, it was an elective. For studies. Yeah, she took photography instead. Yeah, everyone does it. It's like going on. Do I really want to do that? No, I don't want to do archaeology. I'll do photography. No, didn't you do photography? Do creative writing. It's fine. You know, and that's what you spend your Tuesday nights doing. She has not. She's not really the most curious of companions, really. Like you say, she's taken up phenomenology, no, which she's been educated. She thinks she kind of knows it all anyway, but she's not. Yeah. You know, she's not. Experience. She's not been from the school of hard knocks. She's basically just taken effect of what she's been told and dictated, had been had dictated to her. That's why she wanders around the far coat all the time. Exactly. But if the original plan for the companion had come through, it'd been a very different story because they were thinking about getting Elizabeth Sladen back at this point. So you would have had Sarah Jane Smith in this story. Oh, well, that would have put a different more questions. Um. So. Binro's right, yeah, that's what got down here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they've put down, why have I put K9 is here to have a rumble? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> they take refuge in the catacombs, um, yeah. which are the part of the city that they don't have to, um, you know, no one guard. Yeah. It's basically like uh, it's the part of the place that you don't really want to go to, and anyone who goes doesn't come back. Yeah. So, it's effectively S Road in Gretna. Yeah. Um, <laughs> little niche joke there for you, everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone in Gretna. It's just S Road. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like possibly any more niche than that. Well, I'm sure it'll appreciate you know, maybe the one person, Eve at all, knows this, but yeah, there'll be someone in there. And then this is the bit you also discover that the key of time is disguised as Jethric. Yeah. Because when they try to chase it down, it's obviously not in the. It's moved, it's not yeah. out of the. And because. Yeah, um, you know, got. Um, yeah, now we've got one of the more interesting characters who suddenly pops up uh, in the Seeker. Call her the Seeker. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm glad they made her makeup white <laughs> because it could have been a wee bit racist when she's got bloody bones through her nose and all this kind of yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, they could have hired a young black actress to come in and do that. Yes. No. No. Maybe it's acceptable in 1978, but not now. Um, I don't think it even wasn't 78. No, well, I think we're bored on it. Yeah. But they, um, it's, yeah, aye. The Seeker's interesting um, because, yeah, I don't quite know where the screaming has to come from every single time. Yeah. But it does explain the bones for the nose, though, because it... Production fact here. It's not wasn't it just the bone that started off at the start of the scene. It was actually a large lump of ham attached to it, <laughs> which accidentally she ingested far too late to go out to the butchers and get another one. Oh so dear. that filters through to her performance. That and explains all the ham acting. It does exactly, yeah. Just thought I'd throw that as a little fun fact there from the uh, on our Friday to Doctor Who book available in all good bookshops. Yeah. See, see as soon as you say production fact there, I could smell the bullshit wafting off you. <laughs> yeah, so K9, the Doctor, Romana and Garen, having escaped, end up in the catacombs as well, hiding from the Graf, who comes down to look for the one they seek, because he's after his Jethric. 
And revenge. And revenge, because by now he's worked out he's been conned, or uh, they've attempted to con him, which seems to be enough for a death sentence. Somebody's necked his million. Yeah, pretty much. So they've all um, decided to go to the catacombs, but they don't really want... To, the guards don't really want to go down there, because they don't make the city and they don't have And all the Scrivenzals are all in there, are coming at the walls. Um, and yeah, that's your... Um, Cliffhanger in episode 3 is them trying to hide in a really kind of uncomfortable position of all sort of lying really close together. And um, yes, the Romana sandwich. Yes, I was going to say, yes, Garen and uh, the Doctor uh, with Romana in the middle, which is, you know, it was acceptable you, in 1978. You just know that was probably the 74th take. Probably. Tom's assistant was something a little bit wrong here, we're going to have to go again. Tom's like, oh, I'm sorry, I keep moving out of shot. Got it, got live face down another S- time. Stay there, Mary. <laughs> Don't you move. Keep your thighs steady. I do feel sorry for the guy on the bottom of that pile, though. Oh, you're big enough. Yeah, but still, Tom Baker. Oh, Tom Baker's a fair chunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Episode four? Yes. Yeah, we've done episode yeah. one, two, and three. We might as well. We might as well do four. Can I skip to five? It doesn't exist. Um, there's a scrivener's out that distracts everyone. And, um... Yeah. The, the cliffhanger at the end of three, to go back to it, is the doctor knocks over a skull. Mm-hmm. And... Posh boy and his attack dog and their guards hear the noise, and that's the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. The doctor's made a noise, and the bad men have heard it. So it, part four opens with the bad men walking away. So they've heard a noise, but they don't bother investigating. They go, "We've got them now." But they're not. Let's go back. They're not still concerned about being in the catacombs at this point. They're not sure how far they can go into this. Possibly. But if you hear a noise, you know it's not far. And they're aware it's screwing valves, and they don't really want to be messing with them. But it, it just seems weird that they decide to just leave. But if hard noise is just down there, we've got them. Once again, tactics, tactical retreat. But it's not though. Yeah, but you'd, you'd probably be like, you'd probably be like, all right, if they're down there, screwing valves probably gonna eat them anyway. Send first squad down to investigate cannon fodder. They find something, we can reinforce them. If they don't find anything. Meh. If you want to go tactical about it, that's what you'd do. Yeah, yeah, but you'd, he's... You'd maintain your possession... We think we've established by the fact that his force. brother has the throne. Yes. Not him. That He's the idiot of the two. But he's the successful warmonger of the two. Yeah, but so he'd be a successful warmonger. It's like, you know... Remember last time they were fighting in else. caves. So they've got experience of fighting in caves. Yeah, but not hearing noises and lizard monsters in caves. I still think it's a strange way to get rid of no, the cliffhanger. You, no, no, they decide just no, to walk away in the you'd, other direction. You'd, you'd be saving resources for battle later. But I think he still wants to kill everything that's on the planet anyway, doesn't he? All but, the guards but they might have found something to kill now. You don't need to save everything for killing later. No, 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 no. Well, you do as far as story goes, because you've got an episode four. Yes, I know. Yeah. You're listening to the Tactical Warfare Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Art of War. <laughs> There is actually a really good series on YouTube where they go through battles and films and television to see what they've done wrong. Oh, it's quite interesting. Awesome. But anyway, that's a that's a tangent that we're not going to go down. It's like old Part episode four. Old episode of Time Commanders. Yeah. Even though there was a BBC Two Tea Time TV show, <laughs> which one would they be? Colin they can't all be Quantum Leap. <laughs> Colin Baker's definitely Robot Wars. Oh yeah, I true. Noisy, uh, brash. Noisy, brash, loud. Doesn't last very long. Yep. <laughs> Who made the Fresh Prince of Bel Air then? Terran. <laughs> um. <laughs> probably. Uh, actually, I'm trying to think. Link Tenet with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air now. 
Fresh Prince of Paisley. There we go. Anyway. <laughs> um, Thanks for that. It's, it's alright, no problem. Don't know, it wasn't as a, in my head that was a lot funnier. <laughs> but it didn't it came out and I realised kind of fell flat that didn't it? Never mind. Anyway. Um So Four. everyone's down in the bloody catacombs now. Binder offers to go back and find uh, Garen for Unstoffed because you know uh, because he realised now that oh, he's got nothing to live for anymore. So he's going to go look for a man that he's never seen before. Exactly. Because, you know. Uh, the Graf, meanwhile, kills the guards just because the Seeker hasn't turned up on time to show him <laughs> where... So his name. He's a killing machine. Yeah. Well, he's not a killing machine. Other people are his killing machines. Yes. So Garen buggers off to meet a man about a dog while stealing the tracer. So it disappears. So Roman is left wandering the catacombs. Where was she storing this that he stole it from? Do we really want to know? Yes, we do. <laughs> we want at least the audio book of that. With pictures. Um, Garen finds Unstoffed and the Seeker says, Oh, but one are doomed to die. It's great. I love doing that. But then it's always followed by, Ah, for some bizarre reason. Yeah, and then three seconds later, she just has an normal conversation. Yeah, but that's what you do when you're seeking things. You know what I mean? So what you want to do is you take a second left down the <laughs> There's no need for the screaming. You want to get London Road Gardens through there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, wasn't but there we go. Um, so the city guards by this time are wanting to kill the Graf's men because there's a little bit of a sort of small scale skirmish going on. Yeah, it's a bit like when you used to play Necromunda in Games Workshop. Anyway. Them's with the days. There's a corner shop near here that's selling Games Workshop models, boxed. Really? Yeah. Wow, what ones? Um, Talk about tangents. There's an Intercessor's Space Marine glue and paint box set and a couple other ones that are in their window. They look really, really faded. Christ. Yeah. I couldn't work out if it was a good price or not. Hmm. Not strange. But it's just strange because Games Workshop usually doesn't let. No. Random corner shops sell their stuff. No. Not lately, anyway. No. Oh, weird. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, random skirmishes, games random workshop. Random skirmishes, games workshop. Graf! Graf. Um, the Graf gets his money back. The guards of the city are going to cannon blast the doors to close the catacombs forever and yeah. lock them all in. Yeah. So, that's the part of the they're going to so. do. I've got, I've got the guy, the attack dog's name, Sholak. There you go. There we go. It took me until episode four to finally yeah, work out his name. Because I kept thinking fake nails whenever they say his name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we had some sort of handy guide to refer to the characters' names, eh? Yeah, we, we don't have all that trouble. We've got shellac fake nails. Yeah, Shellac is crushed by falling rock, so the Graf's right hand man and man that's been with him is like going, Do you remember the astral planes of Benzedrin? Hired him when he was just a boy and killed his parents. Killed his parents, <laughs> brought him here, raised yeah. him as my own son. Gave him his first rifle at the age of six and a half. When, when did Stephen Toast turn up in this episode? I don't, I don't remember seeing Matt Berry in this at all. Well, it's oh, that's a good shout for the next dog. <laughs> Matt Berry just does the whole thing as Toast. <laughs> toast of Gallifrey. I've only, I've only seen one episode of Toast, and I should probably see more because it was the one where he was banging on about asking all his co-stars whether they ever had sex in the, in the London Palladium. <laughs> And it was just like the most random thing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Did you ever see the first episode with the uh, flatmate's girlfriend that looks like Bruce Forsyth? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you have watched the wrong one episode. No, go, go and watch that. Oh, right. There's it's also on one where he's going to the Royal Variety Show and does somebody pretend to be Bob Monkhouse in it? Just telling random jokes that aren't funny all the time. <laughs> and everyone except Toast finds them hilarious. Toast is like, that's not it. Peter Davis has been on it as well, hasn't he? I think he has, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's who he was asking about the London Palladium. <laughs> Quite probably. <laughs> maybe why I watched it. I was like, oh, Peter Davison's in this. Um, so K9's going to blast the rocks away. The Graf ends up killing the Seeker. Yep. I can't remember if he actually screams when she dies or not. Does she? Or does she just flop over? Oh, Melton. I, I, do seem, I do seem to remember the scream when she died. If it is one, is nowhere near as loud as the scream when she actually finds <laughs> someone. Yeah. It's probably because it was all down at the time. Probably, yeah. Oh, but one is doing that. So when she dies, it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. The um, by this time, the doctor has actually disguised himself as a guard. Yeah, randomly. As one, of the, one of the Graf's men. Yeah. And so when they're all dying and getting shot to death, and the Graf's still there, like you know, only you now, only me and you. How long have you served with me? I don't know. Five, five minutes. Um, it's like, do you remember when we were on the rings? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that night on the grass markets? <laughs> we fought well. Five bounces. We put it up with one hand tied behind our backs. Put it up, um. Yeah. Um, so the graph has officially gone mad with power and grief killing everyone and in grief and rage, and is pretty much going through the seven stages of dickishness. Of dickishness, yes, and. Um, there's, uh, he plants a bomb on the doctor plants a bomb on the graph and yeah. he walks away the, I think the idea was that he was going to hand him the bomb yeah the graph was going to hand the doctor the bomb or the guard he thinks is his guard but it's actually the doctor yeah. but in the meantime uh, as he's turning around the doctor slips the old detonator back in the guy's pocket and off he goes whinging on about how he's you know we will kill them all yeah and then it's him that explodes Round the corner handily. Round the corner handily, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. you don't actually get to see any. Well, what do you want? Gore splattered all over the place. But I think can only do so much, you know. <laughs> it was just handy that he was around the corner when it happened. Oh, I suppose, I yeah. I suppose. I suppose. But anyway, um, so the end, really. But then you get the lovely bit, the sleight of hand bit with the doctor doing with the bomb is repeated in the final scene. Yes. Because Garen tries to get the Jethric back. But, but Garen asks him where he learned the sleight of hand and he said he was trained by mescaline. That's literally what he says. Trained by mescaline. Yeah. It's a terrible drug. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Slight of hand. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's mescaline. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And uh, he, the doctor manages to nick it back and he's got Unstoffed and Garen who shockingly have survived this entire story. Yes. Because they were, I think Unstoffed was probably ripe for death at some stage. Oh, many stages. Many stages. But it's, it's like, you get the wonderful thing, he's gone and nicked it again. Is there no one you can trust these days? Yeah. We thought it was a nice way of ending it. Yes. It's a good way. It's a shame said James wasn't available. Yeah. Reboss operation then. Yeah, and then they go back on the TARDIS and yeah, use, it's use the, the whole thing. With, use the yeah, just kind of leads into the next kind yeah. of story, which was the second. Was it Android to TARDIS? The second one. Yeah, it was a pirate planet. So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah well, I can tell you the first half already. already yeah, so. yeah, I've, I've, I've done notes as well and everything. So you see, if the pirate planet gets drawn out of this <laughs> at the end of the day, half the work done. Half the work done. Yeah. Jobs are good, solid, yeah. no bad. All right, should we start summing up then? Uh, yeah, final pieces. 
prosecution and defence for the Reubos operation? I think the thing that I actually use most in my prosecution is the really, really weak cliffhangers. As if that's unique to this story. Where did you get that idea from? Oh no, uh, it just came to me a uh, moment ago. Because somebody was fed up and sitting quietly and said to me. <laughs> it, it's, it's very convoluted. The entire thing is quite difficult to follow in some places. Because I watched it in a block, like I watched all four, uh -huh. and you do, it's almost like Ocean's Eleven style, you forget who's got what, and who's going after what, and who's where. Because you know they're all chasing, at one point, they're all chasing after each other, almost in a Benny Hill style circle. Tom Baker's dressed as a French maid. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But it's... He's got the Jethrix, so we're chasing him. The Graf's chasing him because he's got the money, but the Seeker says... Well, the Jethrix's the ultimate MacGuffin, though. Yes. That's... That, as long as you can follow the Jethrix, you're pretty much okay. Yes, because you know that's what the Doctor's there for, yeah, for one thing. exactly. Every, well, everyone's there for that, really. But, yeah. but you find out the Doctor's there for that halfway through because Romana thinks it's the current jewels. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the current jewels are the fake MacGuffin. Yeah. But it does get a bit... Ocean's Eleven time heisty. Where everyone's chasing everyone else and everyone's double-crossing everyone else. And it's not quite as linear as a lot of Doctor Who stories are. It maybe doesn't come off in that sense as well as they maybe thought it would. Yes. I'll grant you that. But I like the fact it's a nice wee compact piece together. You know, I mean, there's for the Reboss operation, there's not like a planet under threat. There's not like anything about to, you know, die off. As we've already said, the actual monster in... Rebus operation isn't the main threat, sort of threat of it, yeah. and it isn't the main sort of thing that everyone hinges on. It's just local wildlife. Yeah, pretty much. I like the fact that it's each character's quite strong. They've all got intent. They've all got characters as well. They're all yeah, fairly rugged. exactly. There's all yeah. some of them border into stereotype and 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 boil but over a little bit. Ignore the seeker. Yeah. <laughs> well, how can you? <laughs> exactly. Um, then. Um, and I think the story is quite rightly powered by their wants individually. It's character driven, to which is extent. how it should be. Yes. Um, and it's got a little bit of a mind. What other Doctor Who story or any other story is about? Like someone trying to con someone else into buying a planet. It has a kind of Douglas Adamsy hallmark about it. Yeah, I can't remember. Who, did he write this or is it? He was script editor. Yeah, he was around at the time. Treating whole, treating a whole planet as real estate is a really kind of Douglas Adams idea, yes. kind of thing, you know. So it kind of comes across a fair chunk in that, and it's fairly really grand scheme. Yeah, which the Doctor didn't do much of at the time. Yeah, exactly. It's a grand scheme. It's without being overblown. Visually, obviously they've kept to the budget and they've kept it sort of in a sort of tight wee space in this castle. And then the castle sets that they reuse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I quite like the Reboss operation. It has a nice little bit of imagination to it. It's, as you say, it is different from most Doctor Who stories. Mm -hmm. So there's a case for the prosecution. It's different to most Doctor Who stories. It doesn't fit with the rest. It's different, and different is wrong. Um, that was a past political broadcast from Dave, your candidate for the Brexit party. We can't talk about politics, because there's people still voting across Europe. Um, Not by the time this comes out, it'll be bloody 2021 by the time this is on. No, they'll be voting again, it'll be a different election. Oh, it'll be a different election, alright, okay. Well, it'll be fine, because we won't be part of Europe then. Um, yeah, it, it's enjoyable enough, but 
In some places it is too complicated because you have to follow the Jethric. You do have to have a good think about it where it is. Yeah. yeah. But it's not... At no point do you just give up and kind of go, oh, no, I have no idea what's going on here. No. It's hardly Dave Lynch. No, it's not. Can you imagine if Dave Lynch directed an episode of Doctor Who? How awesome would that be? It's got me thinking there, sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, largely, there's not much for the prosecution in this. There's some overacting, but it's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. In the 70s. There's some logical flaws, but it's Doctor but Who. But it's Doctor Who. Yeah. The same that can be said against almost all Doctor Who can be said against this. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find anything to prosecute. If you were to pick one thing to nail it down to prosecution, if this is why it shouldn't be in the canon of Doctor Who, what would you pick? If your prosecution could be summarised in the spirit of a classic football team, what would it be? <laughs> Don Reeves leads. Dirty, dirty leads. Um, Same old leads. Always cheating. Current day leads. Always cheating. Never shite. <laughs> Winning nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost winning, but not quite. But not quite. Well, definitely you know you cheated all fucking team. season. 16 years at the Premiership. Mm. Couldn't believe that when I read that already. Yeah, I can't think of anything to summarise the prosecution based on a classic football team. But, it, yeah. It's no Brazil 1970, though. There's nothing particularly bad about it. If the episode was a root vegetable. <laughs> Which hole would Sorry. I jam it in? <laughs> the eyes. It's a radish. Yeah, there's nothing that offensive about it. But... It, it's not one I would choose to watch again because it was really enjoyable or had a good story or good characters or good acting. It's a generic Doctor Who story. Oof. That almost hurts. That almost hurts. Darren, what's up your case for the defence? I think I just have, really, to be honest with you. I think it's, it's, it's an imaginative story. The basis is, is something a wee bit different. It's got strong characterisation in it. Um, all the events in the Rebus operation are powered by those desires that every character has. So when they, you know, sometimes they clash, and that's what makes it so good. Monsters not the be all and end all in it. Um, it's still there, it's still a Doctor Who monster, but it's it, yeah, it's, it all comes together. It's a nice wee compact package. I'd say it's it sounds like faint praise. It's one of the better parts of the Kia time. <laughs> that might seem a bit. Considering the androids of Tara as part of the keys to time, we can just definitely eliminate that because it can never sink that low. So anything is anything else in that series is automatically better. Power of crawl. Mm. Power of crawl is basically a bit of a big frog. Mm. <laughs> it's a Nigel Farage story. <laughs> Right then, listener evidence, we've got Buddy Windrush who says it's marvellous. Paul Seed is a standout villain and should have got a BAFTA for scenery chewing. Paul Waring says, great start to the key to time. Romana is sassy and smarter than the Doctor, but he evens this out with greater experience. The Doctor and Garen play off each other brilliantly. No surprise it's a Robert Holmes script. Uh, Not guilty, he says, in fact, I'd foul malicious prosecution charges. And Keith Gooch says, brilliant story, kickstarted a great season. Any Doctor Who story with Prentice Hancock in it has to be good. Oh, okay. Right, well, I suppose I'd better make a decision then. It's not up to you, it's just to the listeners. I suppose you should make a token decision and we'll be on the eventual results. You only get a decision if it's 50 50. (laughs) I can't really see where you're coming from by saying it's convoluted. 
That's because you didn't understand it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Prove my point. Well, let me finish the sentence. I can't no. see where you're coming because it's convoluted because I'm very, very dim. Uh, it's not a bit of it's convoluted. There's, there's stories easy enough to follow. Like you said, there's a central point to it. Like it's green stone. Everybody's after that. I. Uh, serves its purpose well as a first episode to season long up. It's a nice a solid story to start off with. It introduces the themes of the keys to time and you know we want to go and look for all these different segments. Well written characters. Almost a sort of rubble Holmes double act with uh, the two thieves. Nice character to use the bin roll. Yeah. It's not high octane excitement, granted, but it's a solid start and it's a nice Solid episode of Doctor Who. I can't find any faults in it. So I'm going to have to say it's not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. That's fine, that's your opinion. And my entirely pointless and worthless opinion because the listeners have to decide. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a vote up on Twitter or on our Twitter feed. Uh, it's at Box on Twitter. Uh, you get to decide whether the Rebox operation is guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. So we'll get that up for some days after the episode goes out. And we'll reveal the results in the next uh, recording block. Shall yeah. be 2022. 2022. <laughs> yeah. Just in time for a World Cup. <laughs> we'll be holding it in December and we'll get an oil rich state to come and sponsor us. Yes. Yep. We'll commit many, many human rights atrocities. It'll be ideal. The Just listener as knows our atrocities. They listen. <laughs> the whole podcast is the yeah. atrocity. Alright, shall we finish up then? Yep. Yeah. That's it for the Rebus Operation then. Uh, I've been Lee. I've been Dave. I've been Cameron. And uh, we'll see you for the next episodes. Twenty minutes is solid gold. Christ alive! <laughs> we've we've started a ro- we've started a juggernaut here. Oh, no, 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 no! Speaking of Christ alive, if the doctor was one religious, <laughs> <laughs> what character in the Bible would the huge doctor be? Now, which doctor is Judaism? Let's see. <laughs>